0: We're uh, Jeff and Linda Bolton, and we have uh, three uh, adult children who are all married and are now have children of their own. Uh, Blake is their oldest, Uh, he was born in 1985, Jacqueline, and then uh, Nicole. And we have um, two, four, five grandchildren with a sixth one uh, on the way. So that's kind of our our family. Linda and I were married in uh, 1983, so here we are talking about parenting. I, I think that we both would agree that some of the non-negotiables that we wanted to establish in our family and in our children was uh, attending church together as a family. Um, the value that we placed upon it, the importance that we stressed, that it was it was part of our life. It wasn't something that uh, was negotiable and that uh, the, probably the more important part of that would be to then trying to to live our faith and not just talk about our faith on Sunday not separating the two between oh this is who we are on Sunday and then this is how we live the other six days of the week
1: and I think along with church we tried to serve with the kids and um, things we were involved in whether it was children's ministries or there was a time when we cleaned the church and we would all do it together as a family we always tried to do that with them. Just as far as teaching them how to serve was important too. And today, it's it's neat to look at their lives and see um, how active you know they might they are in their churches and the things that they're doing. So that's kind of a neat neat thing to watch. If there is one thing that I think we would definitely change about how we raised our kids. It would be. Parenting is has to be different, I think, with their temperaments and the type of personalities that they have. And I think our mindset was kind of what we learned growing up ourselves was you're going to fix it now and you're going to stop this behavior. We're not going to talk about it, you're just going to stop. And I see now um, how my kids are raising their children and they, they talk with them about their feelings and how they're feeling and trying to work through situations and I think that's such a neat thing. I wish I would have known that.
0: If there was one thing that I could do over, this would be the the one thing that probably resonates the most with me. You know, as you live life, you begin to understand that everybody's different. People are different. How they communicate is different. How they receive information and process information, we're all different. And unfortunately, I didn't apply that principle to my children, and I wish that if I could do anything And if I was to pass anything on to anybody else out there, would be that that point of acknowledging that each one of your children are different. They're uniquely made in God's image. And no two children are the same. And just allow them to be individuals, good or bad, we have a tendency to parent like we were parented to a degree. And some of our parenting style was probably of some reflection of how she and I were parented. Um, it was more from a, a era of do as you're told, don't question me, just do what I said to do and do it now. We didn't do everything the way mom and dad did it, nor the way Linda's parents did it, but we tried to learn, take the good and the bad stuff. Eh, okay, that wasn't so effective or positive, so maybe we won't do that.
1: And I think as they grow older, too, I always remember something that Dr. Dobson had said in a book about... Um, children are like kites and you're supposed to let go of the string a little bit each year until you don't see that kite anymore. And I, I always thought, oh, that is such a neat analogy and a, really a, a great way of um, embracing when they do leave home. And it's, I realized then just how hard it is when they do um, get to that point where you're supposed to let go. And it's a hard transition when the last one leaves and then you're thinking, oh my gosh, my mothering years are over. What am I going to do? And so, um, you know, God always has, he always has it under control, you know, and as you ease into the next phase in life, that's when you do find that, um, like the friendship, it's not so much of a um, authoritative figure in your life, but your, um, your friends and, and you have much, more fun together because you're you're not there to correct them and to um, have that place in their life so much anymore so it's a neat it's been a neat transition as I think back about you know raising my kids and how fast it went because everybody says that and it really does I guess I wish I wouldn't have worried so much about every little behavior every thing that you know you kind of panic about um, and just realize that To get to A to Z is just a process and um, it takes time and there's no reason to to panic over every little thing they do just to try to take it in stride and know that um, God's going to guide you.
0: I would probably just I would agree and and, I don't know if I could add anything to that other than just recognizing them as individuals and recognize that there are some things that are really not that big a deal. Mm-hmm. Don't make it a big deal. Just move on. This too shall pass. Okay. <laughs> you know, um, you know whether it's a fashion thing or a, a hair length thing or, I mean, just whatever. You know, it's... I guess it's just... I guess if you could just discern what's really important and focus on that and let all the rest of the other stuff go. Cause it, it, it doesn't matter.
2: A lot of wisdom there, uh, can we thank Jeff and Linda for sharing with us, kind of opening up, <laughs> those are people that are part of our community and uh, appreciate them kind of setting the scene here. Before I jump into continuing that discussion, I um, just want to say thank you so much for serving last Sunday, uh, huge success, so many good things, listen, there was things we got to tweak, do better, we knew that, some things went really fast. And um, so some of you are like, I'm done. Like, other things went on, and so we'll figure that all out, but it was just amazing. Uh, Home run, home run in our city, home run in the places that we visited, the people that we shared with, Uh, we made an impact and a difference for Jesus last Sunday, and so thank you for uh, being on board with that, and uh, just anticipate greater things with that. Uh, Also want to, as we're jumping in to the second week of this series Uh, Remind you that the additional resource that we're doing for uh, you this month is we're uh, having hosting the marriage night. So the parrots, the chans, um, I think it's Michael Jr., uh, the comedian. Um, It'll be here at the church. There'll be dinner and then tons of great stuff. And you can sign up for that online. Um, And... I just feel like it's a way for us to say here's a next step here's an additional tool another resource and because we're partners with right now media we have access to this um, it's not something that's out there for everybody it's limited to that night and when you come so uh, sign up for that I'd love to do that another thing too that uh, Ben wanted me to mention was Ben and I have started a podcast called the weekly grind uh, every week we we uh, release a podcast, uh, we created a cool little studio in here, you can check that out if you want, um, but our, our goal with this is to just give more resource and tool, tools for you to, uh, to uh, I want to say consume, but that's true, to think about, uh, biblical perspective, kingdom mindset, uh, how do I think and live as a kingdom person in a secular culture or in So many things that are going on with our society. How do I approach this? What do I do with that? And so we talk about cultural things. We talk about uh, sometimes political things. We talk about uh, just all bringing it back to the kingdom and having this discussion. um, And it's been really good so far. Um, Episode five, actually, uh, released last week, is a continuation off the sermon uh, that we preached, the first sermon in this series. Just additional conversation and tools and resources are up. Hey, this is a great place to go if you want to think about prioritizing your marriage, right? This is a great book to, to dive into and help you to understand how to build, to kindle or rekindle that relationship. And so just want you to be aware of that. It's on YouTube at NapNaz or it's on itunes the audio versions on itunes so you can do video or audio and so just wanted you to be aware of that no place like home right there is no place like home red slippers right everybody's thinking that i don't even know what you're talking about because i've never seen the movie but i know that's like no place like home but i want to remind you in this series that we're understanding that home is designed by god to help us grasp his love i understand god's love or supposed to, it's designed through the love, comfort, nurturing environment of the family. The love environment of a family just helps me to get a little bit, a glimpse of, of God's love. The home is designed to help us experience God's grace. I mean, we're broken, fallen people, and then you put us all in the same house. And we learn that relationships only exist When we're gracious to one another, but God has been so gracious to us. Patient, forgiving, kind, and living for the other person kind of idea. And so the home helps us. It's designed to help us realize a greater thing, and that's grace, God's grace. Home is designed to reveal God's truth. What God wants to do in our lives, the home does such a great job of revealing to us how this works out. When he talks about one anothering one another in the New Testament, right, all those things that he says, well, your best in first place is the home. To experience that, to realize that, to know what that means and how relationships can be fulfilling and healthy and life-giving. And that is through following God's truth in relationships with one another. And so the home is a great place. It's designed to reveal God's truth. Last week, bottom line, week one, the health of your home is led by your second priority. We're assuming that you are first priority people. Your first priority people, or your first priority is to love God. That's all that you are. That's your primary mission in life. Flowing out of that, your second mission is to love your spouse. And the health of your home depends, rests on the health of the relationship with mom and dad. It provides the foundation for everything else. And so your, your second priority, it's got to be your spouse. And uh, so today we want to talk about parenting. When we talk about parenting, for me, one of the first verses that come to mind Proverbs twenty two six right Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. This general principle that people either think, man, it's like <clears throat> it's a it's like that's going to happen, and then the rest of us have looked around and said, you know what? I saw parents that were great, and their kids did not follow the Lord. They didn't turn out. They were a mess. And so I want to just remind you that, that, that God's word has these principles throughout. But all of us have either experienced or observed the fact that there were parents who, who were good parents and their kids didn't turn out very well. There were bad parents and their kids turned out well. It's a confusing thing, is it not? It's like, what am I supposed to understand? And what, what's real, what's not? What, and I just want to remind you is that all we can do as parents is provide the best environment for them to have the most opportunities, best environment, most opportunities to follow the Lord. They will make their own choices, but if we consistently provide them with opportunities to make the right choices... The principle is true over and over and over that they will turn out well. Um, And so, but I want to remind you that today as I talk about this and go through this, um, there's not a one of us that aren't going to feel a little bit guilty. Because guess what? Parenting's hard, and it's learned on the job, and it's full of mistakes. And guess what? There's no perfect parents. Not once. I mean, if you even look at the scriptures, I mean, David, this man of God, was an awful parent. I mean, we have some poor examples in scripture of parents, right? Be a great person and be an awful parent. Because parenting's hard and it's complex. There's a lot to be learned. And so this is in no way trying to make you feel guilty today. Because guess what? We're all in this together. And we are not perfect. Okay? And so let's just embrace the reality that this is hard and it's complex and we've all failed. Okay, we're all in this together. And for me, uh, again, this week, when you prepare sermons, guess what? It speaks to you more than anybody else. And I've been reminded of my frailty, of my my inabilities at times, of my shortcomings. And so God's been just working in me and reminding me of things. And, And so today, honestly, I felt very arrogant to give you my things. And so this is not original content. Because I wanted very clearly to say we were all in this together. Not some expert up here talking. I'm trying to figure this out. I got a 13-year-old to a 3-year-old. I am really trying to figure this out. And so this has really spoke, spoken to me. And I'm just trying to give you stuff that I felt like, man, that's, that's right. That's good. That's the word. And so, but this is not my stuff, okay? Because I'm not in a position, I don't feel like yet, to give you my stuff. Because, man, i got a long way to go. And some weeks I really feel like that, right? I have a long way to go. And so I um, just want to jump into this and start by kind of creating a scene for us. And, and, and what I want to share is a couple months ago I sat down at a restaurant in Kansas City called Jack Stacks. Okay? Great restaurant. Every time I go there, I try to, I try to go to that restaurant. Love it. barbecue is incredible. Um, uh, I just, it's a great place. I'm sitting there looking through the menu. I, I don't go to or Kansas City very much, right? Once every few years or whatever. And, and um, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. I'm like, I want to try that entree. And I want to eat this. And I want to try that. And I realize I don't have the capacity to eat all these entrees. I don't have the time nor the money to eat all these entrees, right? And so I'm like overwhelmed. And then I came to that place on the menu that said sampler platter, And it was just, whoo, and I ordered the sampler platter. And I got to have a little bit of everything and experience it all, right? And so I feel like this series, all of these subjects could be series on their own. uh, Marriage, parenting, godly families we're going to talk about in the next few few weeks. Um, These are sampler things. These are flyover uh, with the hope that we prick your mind and your conscience and your heart to further explore, to open your heart up to the Lord, to allow Him to get you to a point where you look at other resources, that you understand and prioritize this in your life, to maybe be reminded and refocused about this is huge in the plan and design of God. There's no place like home. And so I want to talk a little bit about parenting today. And I want to start with something I thought was so uh, interesting. Um, Well, let me jump, let me start with this. Children are a gift from God. Children are a gift from God. Our culture doesn't think of it that way quite so often. Uh, We're in a culture where 60 million lives have been, 60 million gifts have been ended because it was inconvenient. Right? They didn't value what God had given, this sacred gift of life. And the psalmist says it this way. I love Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds a house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. Are you getting the idea? Unless God is in it, it's not going to happen, right? Unless in vain you rise up early, stay up late, toiling for food to eat. For he grants sleep to those he loves. And in the context of that, he reminds him that children are a heritage or a gift from the Lord. And offspring. The context is that all these things that you do, what you protect, what you look over, what you try to earn, what you work for, it's unless God is in it, it's going to be for vain. It's going to end up being vain, empty, lost. And he says, hey, and also remember, children that I've given to you, unless the hand and the favor of the Lord is on their life, they are going to live lives that end up being vain. And a reminder to all of us as we begin this kind of chat about parenting is that as parents, you and I had better consistently be on our face before God, saying, God, I don't know enough. I need to know more. I need wisdom. I need the empowerment of your Holy Spirit to give me uh, strength, to help me love my child when I I just want to scream, you know, like, why did you do that again? All of these things, unless the Lord is in it and his hand is on our kids in the favor of our Lord, it's going to be for vain. They're going to live lives that are vain. And I realize, like I said at the beginning, that we can do all this and they can make the wrong choice. But at the end of the day, when I stand before the Lord, I want him to, one of the things say is, you did your dead level best and you sought my face as a parent seeking my wisdom my grace, my strength, my love to flow into them. And he reminds us that children are this sacred stewardship from God. They're from him. They're a gift. Remember, he gifts us with grace, right? He gifts us with children. Children are a gift from God and because of that, we recognize the sacred stewardship that we have of our kids. And with society, sometimes kids are a nuisance. They're in the way. You pawn them off because you've got to do your thing and, and all of this stuff. We need to recognize that of the most great things that God will ever give us, our children are right at the top. They're a gracious gift from God. And so we are pouring our heart out before Him. Now, I wanted to share something with you that I thought was interesting this week because I want to reinforce what the scriptures say there was this landmark study done not christian okay because people start to wig out when you say it was christian study done and it kind of looked because of our universities and all that they're like "Eh, you're gonna say whatever you want this is done by not this is a landmark study by reuben hill the minnesota report you can look it up online about parenting tons and tons of parents this is a this is an influential study in understanding parenting styles and I want you to see that they came to the same conclusion that the Scripture teaches. They could have saved themselves a lot of time and money if they had just read the Word of God, followed the Word of God, right? Here's what it says. that All of us, there are four different parenting styles, all right? We tend to land in one of these styles or tend toward, to find them where these are these exist. I would think that in the kingdom of God, we would land in one. But these are what happens, and these are the fallout from it. And so, uh, you guys like graphs, probably this is the only thing you remember from this sermon today. If I know some of you, you'll just be looking this up and thinking over this. But here's a study. That one, there are what we call permissive parents. They're led by fear, okay? The the, the lead emotion in their life in parenting is fear. I'm so scared that I'm going to not do this right. Or I'm going to, my child's going to miss out on this. Or I I, got to, you know... And what they end up doing, oh, let me explain this first. Hold on, this is important, I forgot. So if this graph is this, if they, they considered in parenting two major things, love, right, love. And if you're a zero down here, you're not very loving. If you're a 100, you're very loving, right? Discipline. This is a secular study, not a Christian study, all right? Discipline. They recognize that parenting A huge part of that is discipline. Zero over here, you have no discipline. No control over your kids, right? Hundred over here, you're like, well, you'll see. Okay? Zero, hundred, zero, hundred. Four quadrants, right? In this first one we would look at, permissive, dominated by fear, they are high on love, right? Weak on discipline. It's like this. Uh, And we understand love to be this. Attention, consideration, kindness, interaction, time spent, meeting needs. And we consider discipline to be boundaries, setting limits, and consequences. All right? So they're high on all of these things. Attention, kindness, interaction, time spent, meeting needs. They are low on boundaries, setting limits, and consequences. Right? And they are fearful. They're permissive. And what happens is, scientific study, they want the child to be happy all the time. They're so worried about the kid being happy all the time. I'm so fearful he's not going to be happy. That in creating an environment where there's a lot of tension, but there are no boundaries, that a kid ends up having a low self-esteem and living with inferiority. Second is neglectful parents or forsaking or forgetting parents. These are the parents that are, no one's going to admit they're this today, all right? Promise. Low on love, low on discipline. Okay? Kind of like uh, latchkey kid type parents. No one is asking me how I'm doing. Maybe the parents are super busy. So they're not involved in their life. Or maybe even these parents, they know they're so busy, they try to get their kids involved in all sorts of activities because they want their kid to succeed, but yet they don't ever build a real relationship with their kid. Right? It's just about, I just want them to be successful. They're kind of a trophy for me. Um, uh, You know, and so I'll just put them in all these things. But I'm not really, I don't, I've never sat down with my kid and say, Hey, how you doing? I don't have those conversations. I don't really share moments with them. And they're low on both of these. Guess what happens? These kids end up struggling with relationships. They feel estranged all the time, and the the outflow of that is really bad. How many of you are feeling really bad right now? Don't raise your hand. Right? I'm telling you, these are things that we just need to see and know, because we're always learning and growing, "Oh, I tend to be like that. I need to change."? Right? There's the authoritarian parent, or the fighting parents, right? The idea is, this is the kind that are high on discipline, low on love, right? Um, kind of parent that uh, because I said so. Uh, Pick everything apart Never good enough Always concerned with their kid Conforming to their ideal Their expectation And if they don't Then they're going to come down on them Very hard They're going to ride them And, and, And that's what it's all about And guess what kids are prone to what In this environment Can you guess Rebellion Rebellion I am out of here, I'm doing my own thing, because I've been told what to do for too long. Authoritarian. Then they found that there's this high on love, high on discipline. Authoritative. They are fellowshipping parents. High love, high discipline. Fun, loving, they They. Pay attention, they're kind, they interact, they spend time, they meet needs, but always in the context of boundaries, setting limits, and consequences. I saw one time the parents of Ivy League kids. They did a study on Ivy League kids. All right, kids that end up being at Ivy Leagues. And you would think that, like, well, they were just born with 500-watt ball brains, right? Guess what? Common denominator, the parents had boundaries, set limits, and had consequences. And kids thrived in an educational environment on that. Guess what the Bible has always said? Love your kids with everything you got. Create boundaries, set limits, and show them consequences. Because this is what the Father does with you. The Father loves you with a love that you cannot imagine. But the Father has a book that prescribes to you Hey, these are the limits, the rules, and if you don't live, this is the consequence. Because I want the very best for your life. Correct? And so we follow, you know, they could have saved a lot of time and money if they just opened the Word of God. Because Christian people fall into this realm, follow this pattern. High love, high discipline. Parenting styles, I just wanted to remind you in this conversation that the Word is so True. And if you'll follow the world, regardless of your surrounding culture, and you'll be different. If I've had to heard, sometimes my kids say, but they do this. And now they know our response. But we do that kind of thing, right? Because I'm focused, we're trying to be focused on something that fits into the parameters. And that's where I would flow. I just want to share these things with you before we go. As a parent, are you asking yourself, what's my number one goal? What's my number one goal? Effective parenting begins with positive, clear-cut objectives. Ephesians, to parents. He says, fathers, there's two, I think, primary purposes why he says fathers. Do not exasperate. One, remember, fathers take the lead here with discipline. Two, in a culture where fathers were absent and weak in the Roman culture, society? He's saying, listen, you guys step it up. It's not just mom. Mom's going to do that. Mom's going to love, nurture, do all this. But mom ends up having a lot of times to, amen, moms? And he, you know, Dads, you're involved. You take an active role. In fact, you take a leading role, but there's a share, and he's reminding them, fathers, don't exasperate your kids. Don't provoke them to wrath. Instead, bring them up in the training and the admonition instruction of the Lord. Does he say, raise them to be center fielder for the St. Louis Cardinals? Or for you guys, I don't know, quarterback for the Ohio State Buckeyes. Is that what he says? Yeah, some of you are going to boo, right? Michigan Wolverines, Notre Dame. I know Steve's here, Notre Dame, right? That doesn't say that. It says, your goal should be to bring them up in the training and instruction of the lord that word training it kind of it was a word that developed over time first it was just physical but by the time conian greek came to the when they were writing it it meant everything it meant spiritual emotional and physical you are trying to bring them up in this training optimum life what in the lord My number one goal, I call this the principle, or I don't call this, but this is the principle of intention. Intention. It's understanding my number one goal is to bring them up in the Lord. It's getting what God's dream is far above what my dream is, our human dream is. Because guess what? What he has planned for them will make them far happier than what maybe I want them to do. And it's a wonderful thing when our dreams and God's dreams come together, right? I would say this, that out of this in the Lord, our number one goal is not to make our kids happy. It's to make them holy. God's number one goal in our life is what? Make us holy. As our father, as our parent... We flow, we follow that example. And so, Nicole and I are having to evaluate this all the time, right? Does this activity, does this thing to participate in, does this, is it fitting the goal, the why of why I'm a parent, the what of what I'm supposed to do, does it fit in the parameters of helping them, not hindering them from becoming holy? Because that's God's goal. And that's my number one goal. I believe that as God makes us holy, happiness follows. Success follows. God is favoring and blessing people who follow him and live for him. But, you know, I would say this. like, Would I be thrilled today if if Keegan played center field for the St. Louis Cardinals? You're right, I would be. It'd be on the screen. I'd take weekends off to go see him play. As a Christian, though, if he ever would do that, which, you know, I'd be an utter failure if he played center field for the St. Louis Cardinals and did not have the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior and Lord. I would be an utter failure failure and I'm gonna stand before the Lord one of these days and him playing center field something I enjoy we all enjoy it's not gonna matter a hill of beans my number one goal is that my kids be holy and out of that seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and what all the other things will flow out of it now wouldn't it be cool if he was holy and played center field for the St. Louis Cardinals? Don't say anything to him. I don't want him to have unreal expectations. (laughs) Poor kid. Dad's talking about me being in Cumberville. No. He's in Sunday school right now, so I can talk about him. No, you know what I mean? Like, my number one goal is what God's goal is. What's my number one role? My number one role. Effect. uh, I like what Paul says. The word is kind of giving us bits and pieces of how God sees a parent, how they act, what they do. Paul wrote this, I'm writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as children, as my dear children. Even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. So, God is sharing us kind of an idea. of Paul's assuming this fatherly role. What do fathers do? Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. Fathers should always be examples. Effective Fathers, parents, sorry, this isn't Father's Day, is it? Mother's Day, right? Parents, effective parenting demands we practice what we preach. My role, my goal is to see them, God's will in their life. My role is to model that in my own life. To practice what we preach, right? It's amazing the studies they're doing. If I could have the teenagers stand up today, I hate to say this, in a, but this is just the facts. and We better confront them. Of, the, of every ten teenagers that are in this room today, seven of you are going to leave the church to not come back. Seven. I would hope at Natanas those numbers are not true. But as a whole in our culture, seven out of ten leave the church and never come back. And you don't want to know what they found out in studies? what a primary reason was, they never saw the faith lived out at home. It's like Jeff said in that video, we wanted to get them to church, but we wanted to make sure that we lived it out at home. That they found it believable. That they actually believed in what we were, how we were living and what was happening in our lives. And they saw change and transformation and grace and love in our own life and be like, wow, I gotta live with that. I gotta have that. I can't live without that. Right? So my number one Role, as a parent, is to practice what we preach. It's a principle of modeling, or more is caught than taught. More is caught than that. Third thing, what is my number one responsibility? This is my goal. This is my role. And how, what am I responsible for? Effective parents build relationships that bond, that bond. I love these words instead we were like young children among you just as again the word is kind of giving us a picture of how god sees a mother and father i designed created for happen just as a nursing mother cares for her children so we care for you because we loved you so much love a parent loves this mother, and then it says, for you know how we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children. Encouraging, God says, this is what a father does. This is what he's supposed to do. Encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. What's interesting about this encouraging, comforting, urging, it's like a ramp up in intensity. <laughs> we know what this is, parents. Like, hey, I, can, you, can you pick up the yard? I'd love for you to pick up the yard. That's encouraging. Hey, did you remember I said to pick up the yard? You know, kind of ramping up the intensity here a little bit. till it gets to the point where it's the urging. It's, I will do whatever is necessary to get you to pick up the yard. Right? That's what fathers do. And mothers, are this love. Again, it's back to what the study showed. It's what he reveals here in love and incur, in, in, in exhortation. love and boundaries. Relationships are built on significance and security. That's what we all desperately want to have, we want to experience, and it comes from our relationships, and those are born out of. significance is we're deeply loved. And security is we have boundaries. They're, out of those, are, there is security. The Word of God for me creates security because I understand how this life. And it's like, think uh, like parenting on this road where there's two deep ditches. The one is, is the guardrail of boundary. If you don't live this way, the re- consequences and the results of your life, you're going to crash. If you don't experience love and affection, and nurture, on the other side, the guardrail of that, you're going to crash. And you're going you're gonna to live not feeling significant and having experienced love. And it's, it's broken, right? And so parents are trying to keep that balance, live in that world. That's what he says here. And it's the principle of relationship. Relationship consists of significance and security. Eight ways, eight keys that build relationship. Unconditional love. Unconditional love. Do your kids feel that? Do they know that? Do they know you could walk through the door or they could walk through the door tomorrow? Broken failure and you would embrace them. I experienced that in my own life with my father because I messed up as a teenager. And I remember distinctly one instance where I had (laughs) messed up. And I remember his words and his actions toward me communicated. Listen, I don't want you to live this way or go down that path. But you're my son, and I love you regardless. I walked through the door, and I knew he loved me. Unconditional love, right? It was so significant in my life. Constant communication. Scheduled time. Focused attention. (laughs) Lord, help me, right? Like, hey, Dad. We always joke, Sage is like, She writes, and she wins things for writing because, like, the details are just, like, mind-numbing. And we all kind of have this joke with her, like, she'll start to tell a story at supper, and we're like, details. Kind of like, okay, get to the point. We don't need to know what they wore, you know, like, but am I focusing attention on this gift that God's given to me? Or I'm so worried about my deadline at work, or the grass that needs mowed. Or the thing that needs done or fixed? Am I focusing my... How do I build relationship-focused attention? Eye contact. Meaningful touch. There is something that is invaluably communicated through touch. Like, I, I remember people telling me, like, I do this anyway because I'm kind of rambunctious, but, like, it's so important that your boys wrestle with you. There's a transfer of masculinity in that. There's a there's a me, you know you watch it in the the animal world too like little cubs mess around with dad you know and he like bats them around and they come back for more because there's something loving valuable about touch I've talked to people 50 60 years old who will look at you and say I don't remember my dad ever hugging me or my mom ever telling me she loved me and it's still like a hole in their heart they're talking about it 50 years later Because they miss that. We desire that. You know, my kids, like, this is last night. I was wrestling with my kids. I wasn't even thinking about this. We just do this every once in a while. The two boys, sometimes the others jump in, you know. I just take them on, one on two, right? There's something valuable about that. My girls, like, they need to have this relationship with their father when dad is attentive, he hugs them. There's a positive role male role model in their life that cares about them and treats them as with dignity and respect as a woman de- is, demands and, and is deserving of, right? Meaningful touch, fun together. I think through my childhood and Nicole laughs at me because sometimes I don't know. My mind's so on overload. Like, I don't, she's like, you don't remember that? I'm like, no, I don't remember it. You know, but like I still, there's times it's fun. Sometimes I see my dad like do the weirdest things. Like, who are you? It was fun. Make us laugh and be like, wow, fun together. Pray together often. Tell you, I'm learning this. You'd think as a pastor, I'd already know this, but I'm learning this more and more. Hey, can we just stop and pray about this? I did it the other day with Sage. Didn't even mean to. Like, I was just doing it. And like, we finished praying and she was crying. And I was thinking in my mind, that wasn't even a big deal. To her it was. I didn't know I was doing something like, I just am trying to do this. And God help me. Again, all these things I'm trying to learn praying together there's something powerful that happens when you stop and share prayer yeah that's what build realized. last thing what's my number one reaction effective parenting requires constant repair and maintenance if we confess our sins he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins cleanse us from all unrighteousness god is so patient and loving and forgiving with us this is the principle of process some of the most powerful things you can do in a relationship and a reaction is have humility. Your kids need to hear you say, I'm sorry. Because guess what? You're going to blow it. You're going to accuse one of them for something they didn't do. You're going to overreact to something that didn't need that kind of reaction. You're going you're to place value on something you never should have, and you're going to see your kids empty because you did, and they're going to look at you with looks in their eyes like, why did you tell me that was important? And you're going to have to say, I'm sorry, please forgive me. And I'm learning that if I'm willing to do that, the relationship just strengthens when they see that I myself am under ongoing repair and maintenance. That's how relationships survive and thrive. So my number one reaction is humility. I'm sorry, please forgive me. Let's pray. Father, as we go, help us to take these things in, to uh, just grow as parents. I know uh, when I've studied this, I've had a lot of groans because I'm thinking, God, just grow me in this. But if we never have an ideal, if we never have instruction, we'll never get anywhere. And so, Lord, help these things to maybe for some of us be light to others, just a reminder of how important these things are, the role we play as parents is it's at the top of the list. And so, Lord, give us grace and wisdom. Help us to be on our face seeking you, to be parents who have a goal of your dream for our kids, because it's far better than ours, far more happier, fulfilling, successful than ours would ever be. Help us understand our role of modeling Help us to know our relationship of building a rela- uh, our responsibility of building a relationship with bond, and help our number one reaction to be one of humility. I'm sorry. Forgive me if I need to say those words, or I don't know. Go with us, I pray. Continue to build our homes because there is no place like home. Thank you for our mothers. Bless them today. There are not even words that are adequate to describe the love of a mother. And so we thank you for them. We're blessed by them today in Jesus' name. Amen. Happy Mother's Day. Have a great Sunday. Have a great time with your moms. Give her a hug. Tell her you love her.